0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest Vox casting either side of the Breach. On today's episode, we meet two of the most notorious gentlemen outlaws in all of Malafo. Parker Barrows is the leader of the Barrows Gang, a group of bandits who have carried out numerous brazen robberies and heists. Captain Zip is a gremlin with a jetpack, a lightning gun, and a zeppelin. I hope you enjoy part one of Best Laid Plans of Vice and Moonshine, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Captain Zip, Scourge of the Skies, leader of the Iron Skeeters. If you should be so lucky to be blessed with the presence of Captain Zip, please do not resist. Zip does not stand for backtalk, foul language, or attempts to kill him or his crew. Simply hand over your valuables and you'll be treated with courtesy and respect.
1: Best Laid Plans of Vice and Moonshine by Jason Fryer Parker Barrows, notorious outlaw and scourge of the Northern Hills, found himself locked in a staring contest with an imposing, if unlikely, adversary. The terrier-sized rat stared back defiantly, unfazed by Parker's six-shooter leveled squarely at its malformed head. It clutched a sourdough biscuit it had stolen off Parker's plate. When Hinkle suggested the abandoned mines as a hideout, Parker had been grateful to the lazy-eyed piano player. Sequestered outside of 37R, the old tunnels and miners' quarters were dark and dirty, but also dry and warm. The entire gang and its horses fit comfortably in the forgotten burrow, along with enough supplies to last until next week. With a little luck, the local posse would have given up their search by then. Inkle had neglected to mention the mine's residing wildlife. The rat leaned forward, whiskers twitching, as if daring Parker to shoot. Parker sighed and slid the gun back into its holster. Fine. Take it. The rat, sensing it had won this standoff, leapt from the table, biscuit held tight, and disappeared into the shadows. Friend of yours... Mad Dog slammed himself down in the opposite chair, followed by Doc Mitchell sliding onto a seat between them. Parker snorted. Mutual acquaintance. "'That was your breakfast. You're not going soft, are you?' Mad Dog pushed over a tin cup of coffee. Parker took it with a nod, savoring the bitter heat. "'Nah. Just gotta respect any fellow who ain't afraid to earn his way.' This seemed to satisfy Mad Dog, who leaned back and lit up a cigar. He offered one to Parker, but was waved off. "'Now that you've gone and encouraged him, he'll just come back, you know.' Parker shrugged. "'If he does, maybe I'll let him join. Better company than you, I reckon.' A moment later, the Quarrel sisters joined them, plates in hand. Parker and the gang had run into quip and quibble some weeks back. They were robbing the same stagecoach, and had impressed him with their grit and firearm skills.' They'd also known about the Soulstone shipment the m had stashed away in the carriage's underbelly. Shared profit was an excellent foundation for any new relationship. "'Anywhere from down south?' Quibble asked, slapping away Mad Dog's hand as it tried to steal some bacon. Doc Mitchell set his fork down, listening with sudden interest. Parker shook his head. "'Nothing in the last few days.' But Hinkle is probably sitting on any info while the guild are in three toes. Once they move on, we pull up stakes and head to Fryholt. Frycor promised a safe harbor there, long as we've got the script and don't rob their clients. I gotta say, boss, I'm none too keen relying on the hospitality of a bunch of mercs, Quip said. Von Schiller's a man of his word. Lives by it, so told. Paka said. As much as I don't believe in his charity of spirit, I'd rather have him at my back than the guild. Can we at least agree on that? Quibble shrugged her shoulders. Long as I'm not getting stuck down in this pit, I'm game. You ought to get in as ripe as horses. You wound me, Parker laughed. Besides, Mad Dog's cigars mask the stench. Mad Dog grunted and blew a cloud across the table. I'll have you know these are the finest cigars this side of the breach. Only because you stole them, Parker jibed. Makes them all the sweeter. Doc Mitchell's face had turned several shades of bayou green, much to the amusement of everyone. He pushed away from the table. I should check on my patients. After he laughed, Mad Dog glanced over at Parker. Doc summoned up the courage to shoot you in the back yet? Parker smiled. Not yet, but I gather he's still working on it. Pretty, though, he patches people up right. Quibble leaned forward and grabbed a bottle off the table. Well, that's with Doc anyway. He doesn't seem to fit in with this group of upstanding citizens. Well, there's a story to that, Parker began, only to be interrupted by the approaching sounds of running. Everyone stood up and reached for their weapons. Amelia and McGarvey came rushing down the main tunnel, both clearly out of breath. Slick Rick was on their heels, which meant they'd left the tunnel entrance unguarded. The Guild find us, Parker said. Amelia shook her head gesturing toward the tunnel's mouth. No, sir, but you really need to see this to believe it. Parker and the others followed Amelia to the mine entrance. It took him far too long to adjust to the daylight. When his eyes finally did, he was shocked to see smoke rising from the township. Gunfire and cries echoed across the valley, accompanied by an incessant drone, not unlike the bayou at night. The mosquito whine came from black shapes flying above three-toes like raptors. He realized there were some type of mechanical flyers, each ridden by diminutive pilots, who busied themselves by shooting up the streets or setting rooftops ablaze with crude firebombs. As impressive as the flyers were, however, Parker's attention went to the black shadow dominating the far end of town, its oblong shape easily over 150 feet by his estimation. A zeppelin, unlike he'd ever seen before. The noonday sun reflected off its highly polished propellers and brass fixtures, while an impressive gondola ran along its dark belly. A metallic gangplank extended from the back to the ground. Short, green-skinned figures, gremlins, scurried up and down it, loading crates into the airship's hangar. Mad Dog's cigar nearly fell out of his mouth. What the hell is that? Parker simply grinned. That, my friend, is our ticket out. Infamous as he might be, Captain Zip perpetually maintained an aura of gentility above all else. Refinement and civility separated Sky Pirates, such as himself, from the common thief, of which there were far too many. Yet engaging this distressed crowd had begun testing even his gentlemanly patience. Perhaps he could not fault them too much, as humans predominantly loathed having their homes burned and looted, but as the saying went, You couldn't roast a pig without busting a few skulls. He stood upon a makeshift stage of crates in the town centre. His gang had rounded up the town's inhabitants, mostly miners, saloon girls, shopkeepers and guardsmen. They were yelling, screaming and generally being obnoxious. Zip breathed in and steadied himself. "'Get people of three toes!' If you would simply remain assembled in an orderly and calm fashion, all this unpleasantness shall transpire in a proper and congenial manner. The crowd effectively ignored him. However, one boisterous guardsman stepped forward and shook his fist, questioning Zip's manhood in an unseemly fashion. Zip sighed, lifted up his lightning gun, and fired. A swath of blue-white electricity washed over the guardsman as his twitching corpse fell to the ground. When the scent of ozone and crisp flesh hit the crowd, they instantly fell silent with widened eyes and slackened jaws. "'Forgive me, but such vulgarity could not go unanswered,' Zip explained. "'Now, as I was saying before I was rudely interrupted, we're relieving you of your goods today. I understand the inconvenience this shall likely cause you, but such is the natural order of things. While some of you did inflict violence upon us during this hold-up, I assure you that no ill will shall be harbored by myself—' Or my men. The townsfolk gawked and muttered among themselves. He raised his gun again, coughing politely. They got the message and quieted down. Pleased, Zip prepared to launch into his rehearsed soliloquy on the history of the Iron Skeeters and how Three Toes would become part of that illustrious narrative. Unfortunately, that's when Randall emerged from a side street. His hands waved frantically as he hurried up towards the makeshift stage. Boss! Boss! Zip looked down at him through squinted eyes. "'We've spoken of this at length. I am not to be interrupted. "'Besides, shouldn't you be loading the infamy right now?' Randall's chest heaved as he fought for breath. "'Yes, sir, but I left you in charge, Mr. Randall. "'A high mark of praise, I might add. "'Yes, boss, but—' Distant movement behind Randall caught Zip's keen eye, distracting him. A plume of dust clouded along the ridge above Three Toes, as three riders led several unmounted horses out of town. They didn't seem to be headed his way, and that's all that really mattered. His gang didn't need some stray guardsman interfering with an otherwise perfect robbery. He suspected they were like-minded individuals, taking the opportunity to score themselves some script by stealing some horses. Good for them, he thought. He returned his attention to Randall. who would apparently continue talking while his attention was elsewhere. Mr. Randall, if you please return to your post and finish your duties. But, boss, Randall whined. What is it? Zip's patience finally cracked. That was what I was trying to say, sir. Them riders stole the infamy. Look! He pointed toward the sky. Zip's eyes followed the gesture, and sure enough, the Zeppelin's engines had sputtered to life. The flying ship ascended with all the grace of a gas-bloated pig, The sheer audacity of stealing a stolen ship both infuriated and impressed the pirate captain. "'Well, that is most ungentlemanly. Most ungentlemanly indeed!' Zip's hand flashed out like a snake, and gripped Randall's pointed ear, which elicited a shocked howl. "'Mr. Randall,' Zip said. "'If you'd kindly gather the men together so we can discuss the concept of guard duty at greater length, I'm sure first mate will have some thoughts on the matter.' Randall's eyes widened with suitable horror. Yes, boss. Zip released his underling, freeing Randall to scurry away. Zip clucked his tongue, then bit down to subdue a yell of frustration. Sky pirates did not have their own ships stolen from them, especially not in front of a crowd. The townsfolk watched the infamy rise towards the heavens with bemused amazement. He felt their doubting eyes upon him, chipping away at his aura of greatness. His perfect day was rapidly unravelling. No, this would not do. The tips of his ears darkened. Heat flushed his cheeks. He turned and tipped his head to the crowd. And with that, we'll take our leave. Remember today fondly, good people, for you've been blessed by the presence of Captain Zip, Sky Pirate, and his merry band of Iron Skeeters. Several people were knocked back, a zip launched from the makeshift stage in a plume of smoke and flame. He secretly hoped his jetpack's roar would cover the string of ungentlemanly expletives left in his wake. As hijackings went, Parker felt modestly pleased with himself. Grabbing the zeppelin went off without a hitch, and nary a shot fired. The handful of gremlins that guarded the hangar bay were easily distracted, knocked out or otherwise incapacitated. By the time they realized what was going on, Parker and his banditos had taken over the entire airship. The only wrinkle came when they discovered a rather large and recalcitrant silurid, dressed in an ill-fitting pilot's uniform in the wheelhouse. Shooting it outright seemed a poor course of action, as Parker didn't want to risk damaging the controls, and he suspected it would only annoy the creature. Fortunately, the bearded man chained to the silurid was more forthcoming. As it turned out, Earl Burns was also the ship's engineer, and more than happy to be rescued, even if that involved being kidnapped by an entirely different group of desperados. Some rapid-fire negotiations and a block of salt pork later, the Silurid fired up the engines and put the infamy into motion. Or rather, Earl directed the creature and somehow got them into the air without crashing into the town's church steeple. He glanced over his shoulder at Parker. You'll do right by me at the end of this, yes?" Earl said. Parker walked up beside him and placed a hand on his shoulder. "You pay your way and your golden friend. You do wrong by me, and I'll make sure you're still screaming when you hit the ground." Earl stared at him, eyes wide. With a sad nod, he turned away. Better off than most, I suppose. Where are we headed? Parker pointed toward Slate Ridge, which filled the horizon like a row of broken teeth. See that there valley? Point us that way. Earl nodded again, and then relayed the instructions to the Silurid. To its credit, the creature possessed some rudimentary skill with the wheel. Satisfied, Parker addressed his fellow crew Mad Dog, I want the ship searched high and low. Don't need one of those green buggers mucking up the machinery. Amelia, get to the hangar and suss out what sort of haul we've made. His voice fell silent as an odd droning noise reached his ears. It sounded like a mosquito, or a cloud of them, and was getting louder by the second. A distressed look came over Earl's face. Damn it all, he cursed. What, Parker said. That'll be Captain Zip and his iron skeeters, Earl replied. Parker went to the porthole as he looked back toward town. It took his brain a moment to process what he saw but sure enough, the air teemed with more than a dozen mechanical mosquitoes and one smoke-belching pig. Leading them was a flying gremlin, held aloft by streams of flame like fireworks. Can they catch up to us? Parker asked Earl. Oh, yes, most assuredly. You sure? I built them. The pride in Earl's voice left no room for speculation. Parker cursed under his breath. He checked his pistol, but Earl interrupted him. You really don't want to be doing that, Mr. Barrows. Parker stared back. Pardon me? There's 125,000 cubic feet of hydrogen gas above our heads, Earl said, pointing up. One stray bullet, and they'll be finding our bits spread from ten peaks to the bayou. We'll be careful, Parker said, slamming the pistol's chamber shut. Earl stepped forward. It's not you I'm worried about, Mr. Barrows. As cultured as those gremlins are, they get more than a little exuberant with their firearms. Parker watched the flying contraptions pull up alongside the zeppelin. Each gremlin was armed at the teeth, and their vehicles brimmed over with mounted weapons. Even if they weren't standing inside a floating firebomb, the sight would have given him pause. He sighed. All right, Mr. Burns, what do you reckon I do? Earl tugged at his beard, frowning. Talk. Talk? Aye. There's few things in this world Captain Zip loves more than the sound of his own voice. (music) Captain Zip flew ahead of the infamy. He'd expected the thieves to put up some kind of resistance, but they remained silent thus far. He saw some human faces staring out of the portholes. They wore rugged outfits, ill-fitting brimmed hats and goggles not guardsmen then. In the control room he noticed Earl and the first mate at the helm. Both appeared none the worse for wear, but neither did they look to be prisoners. This troubled the gremlin and wounded him to the core. He considered placing a few warning shots through the hull, but recalled Earl's persistent warnings about fiery explosions and death. As grandiose as gun battles in the air might be, Zip wasn't prepared to end his illustrious career just yet. Still, the potential remained for this encounter to be worthy of profligate oration. He yelled over the roar of his jetpack and the metallic mosquitoes. Gentlemen, let us steal back what's ours. Boarding measures. The gremlins closest to him must have heard the order, as they began throwing their grappling hooks to snag the zeppelin's infrastructure. Others soon followed suit. Some missed, but most succeeded. To arms! Zip cried as he kicked the jetpack into action. A quick blast from his lightning gun shattered the front windows, which provided him and his iron skeeters the perfect entrance. They landed with flourish and flash, and then stood to meet the enemy. To his surprise and disappointment, the roguish humans appeared unfazed by their sudden arrival. They didn't even put up a fight, instead choosing to stand at the back of the control room with their guns drawn but lowered. Zip noticed Earl hiding behind a mustachioed fellow with an impressive shotgun, while the first mate simply looked bored. I demand a parley," Zip said, while gesturing with his gun. Who speaks for you scoundrels? He expected the red-haired human to respond, but instead a lean, wolfish fellow stepped forward. His eyes were hidden behind dark goggles, face shaded beneath a wide-brimmed hat. Zip was impressed by the man's long coat, which barely obscured holstered six-shooters beneath. A gunslinger, to be sure. That'd be me. I'm Parker Barrows. You must be Zip. Zip paused, shocked to recognize the human's name. Parker Barrows of the Barrows Gang. Now it was Parker's turn to be surprised. His hand instinctively hovered over his holster. Yes? Zip laughed excitedly. Parker Barrows, train robber, highwayman, horse thief, murderer, and enemy of the guild, and MNSU. On my airship, what are the chances? The other gremlins looked confused, glancing around to see whether they should be shooting someone right now. The humans were equally baffled as they mumbled among themselves. Only Parker relaxed. You've read my wanted poster, I gather. "'Indeed, a most comprehensive career,' Zip said as he holstered his lightning gun. "'Almost as impressive as my own. "'But that would take a most rarefied individual to match, yes?' He stepped forward and thrust his hand out to Parker. "'Welcome aboard the infamy, Mr. Barrows. "'It would appear we've gotten off on an uneven keel. "'Shall we rectify that misunderstanding over dinner, then?' We employ the stations of etiquette upon this ship, and food and drink are required elements in the refined matters of negotiation between peers. Barrow stayed silent, and narrowed his eyes in suspicion. Zip inwardly cringed. Had he offended the fellow somehow? Surely not. He observed the proper tenets of honor among thieves, and this human must surely recognize them. Barrow's let out a relieved laugh. I suppose so, Captain Zip. Dinner sounds just fine. Both gangs relaxed, yet remained optimistically cautious of one another. At least they weren't pointing guns at each other anymore. Roscoe, Zip chimed. We got guests. There's a few staterooms left. Board these fine people there, would you? Make sure they're comfortable. Roscoe looked at him for a moment and then shrugged, Uh, sure, boss. He and a few of the other skeeters led the humans into the hallway. Zip continued to bark orders. Errol, if you'd be so kind as to repair these windows and get us properly underway. And check our acquisitions from town. And make repairs to our vehicles. And open the hangar. I'm sure the other skeeters would like to come aboard. Finally, Zip pointed at the first mate. And you, sir, I am gravely disappointed by your mercenary attitude. We'll discuss this matter further at a more appropriate time. The Silurid lowered its head in well-deserved shame as it slunk back to the helm controls. Parker stood nearby and watched the entire scene unfold. He appeared suitably impressed, as he should in the presence of such leadership skills. "'Mr. Barrows, if you'd join me,' Zip invited. "'As Malfo's two most deadly and notorious gentlemen, I believe you and I have plenty to discuss.'"
0: That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for part two of Best Laid Plans of Vice and Moonshine.